0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in church tonight. And, uh, you know, you can be seated if you'd like to be. And uh, if you want to stand with me, that'll be fine as well. At least I won't feel alone. And uh, it's great to be in Bismarck, North Dakota. And with your pastor and this fine church, and uh, we had uh, lunch the day I came in with Brother Chuppie. I certainly give honor to Brother and Sister Chuppie for their labor and to Pastor and Sister Paulson for what they are doing and how God is moving in this church. There is a, um, there is a depth when you walk into an established church and you feel the root structure. And they tell me, I have not cut up the tree to find out, but they tell me that the root structure of any tree is just as deep as it is tall. So tonight there are deep roots in this place tonight. And I'm glad to say that they are Pentecostal roots, apostolic roots, amen, amen. It is a joy to be with you and uh, I give greetings from my wife that could not come and we have a baby, furry baby (laughs) that she has to tend to and so she doesn't get to leave home like I do. and. uh, Casey needs a lot of attention. And uh, so some of you might have met Casey at the camp meeting. I know some of the kids did uh, because she was with us and uh, she stayed in the evangelistic quarters and she was talking in tongues before we left because I didn't understand the thing she said. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. I am so excited about being here tonight and the next few nights, and I want to thank you for this invitation to be with you. Now, I have some handouts. Some people enjoy them. Some people dread them because when I get to go in and I forget a word, they are without part of their their knowledge. So if, if someone would like to come and whoever the ushers or whatever would like to come and uh, pass these out for me, I think I have enough for us. Um, great looking crowd tonight. And um, I wanna to talk to us for the next three nights, I'm gonna be teaching and there is a big difference in teaching and preaching. Preaching, you are proclaiming the gospel. When you teach, you are explaining the gospel. And so I'm going to be explaining some things over the next couple of nights and uh, I feel like I have the mind of God for these services. I am not teaching them because your pastor has shared anything with me. I am teaching them because I feel led of the Holy Ghost to teach these things. So you can feel confident that he has not talked about you or told me anything. If I get on your toes, then that means you're under my feet. And they may need stepped on a little bit. And I want to help us, uh, and I, I really want to make a difference in the next uh, couple of services and uh, obey the Lord and let God help us. I also have pens, brethren. If uh, you do not have a pen, I use fill in the blank, and I will explain to you why I do that, um, Number one, we learn more by what we participate with and uh, what we hear and what we see. So I will be using a PowerPoint and also I gave you a pen so you could fill in the blanks. And if you, if you come to me after service and say, what was that answer? I have no clue because I, I'm teaching. And I lost it when it went out. So better grab it when it comes. And uh, uh, I can probably help you find the answer. I'm kidding, of course. And uh, uh, I can help you find the answer if you happen to miss it. I wanna take us to the book of Hebrews uh, chapter number 12. And I'll read a couple of verses of scripture from there. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. And it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. So there is a connection And I want to explain to you tonight the connection between bitterness that is unresolved and sexual immorality. Now, I will not spend my night tonight talking about sexual immorality. I think we all know what that is. But I want to try to get us to the point that we can prevent sexual immorality by nipping it in the bud and that is by solving bitterness that may have crept into your life or some hurt that is still troubling you today. Now it is called a root of bitterness that lets you know that that root can grow if it is not dug up out of the ground, it will bring forth more of a tree and it grows. So we have to resolve things that come into our life. Now, where does bitterness come from? The origin of bitterness is caused by hurts or offenses. The end result of not forgiving hurts is bitterness. The development of bitterness is a gradual and progressive process. There are four steps to bitterness and I want to share them with you. Number one is you get hurt. Number two, you get angry. Then you build resentment. And then number four comes the bitterness that we're going to talk about tonight hurts happen you're going to be hurt even in the church you can be hurt but how you deal with that hurt is what's going to determine what your future will be like in God and your future in the way of blessings from God so We get hurt, we get mad about it, we start resenting the fact, and then we become bitter. The final step is bitterness. Bitterness will defile many. That's what the scripture says. Hebrews 12 and 15 declares that bitterness will defile many. When we become bitter, we have no difficulty discussing the hurt that has caused the bitterness. Many are defiled because we have not forgiven the hurt or the offense. The root of bitterness springs up and it troubles us, causes us trouble. We vent our bitternesses through telling about our hurt and we defile those that hear us. That is why it defiles many. So how do we get hurt? Anybody ever heard the term church hurt? Maybe that's in the South only. Everybody seems to have suffered some kind of church hurt. I say uh, hogwash. When it hurts, you heal it. You get it fixed. You don't let it fester. You don't let it uh, corrupt your whole body. You don't let it give you blood poisoning. You get it fixed. You, You get something done. You put some medicine on it. And you take care of the hurt while it is still a hurt. The meaning of hurt is mental suffering and emotional distress. When someone hurts us, we suffer in our mind over the hurt. Hurt does not involve our will. Nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to line up to be hurt. Nobody goes and says, give me a ticket, I want to be hurt next. We don't do that. So we do not make the choice to be hurt. We are not hurt because we want to be or we desire to be. And then we, where do these hurts come from? What is the source of the hurts? The sure way to never be hurt is to never love or to be loved. Any time we open up ourselves to love, we stand the chance of being hurt. Relationships is where we get hurt. Marriage, family, church, work, and etc. Relationships are built on trust. Therefore, you become vulnerable to hurts because you cannot love without trusting. But I will tell you tonight, it is better to love and have been hurt than to never know the joy of love. It's better to feel the pain of trouble in your life than it is to never know the joy of being loved and loving. So how, how do these hurts come? First of all, there are imagined hurts. Can you say that with me, imagined hurts? That means you imagined it. Many of the hurts that we experience are imagined offenses. We become offended over something that never happened or we imagine that it happened. Maybe someone looks at us a certain way And we think, why are they looking at me like that? Well, they may have forgot their glasses. And they may not see you at all. Hallelujah. And then there are real hurts. These hurts, some of these come to us because people intended to say or to do what they did. However, some are unintentional and happen by accident. Most Christians would be very sorry if they knew that they had hurt another brother or a sister. They would be grieved in their heart. Some are intentional, some are unintentional, but they hurt just the same. Well, how about the causes of hurts? What is it that hurts us? Well, number one is words. Words, often someone's words can be harmful. You're making a statement, you're not thinking anything about it and somebody says, well, that's just stupid and they hurt your feelings and you sort of just tuck your head and don't say anything anymore you go along with some hurt feelings. Offenses, we're offended by someone's actions or words. We're often hurt by reactions to us. The way people react to what we do or say can cause hurts. And then circumstances can cause us to become hurt. Some of the circumstances of life Can hurt very much. Very, very much. The second thing that happens to us after we get hurt, we make a decision to become angry. Anger is the second step to bitterness. A feeling of indignation or hostility, an emotional reaction to hurt. I got hurt. Then comes anger, and anger is a choice. I do not choose to get hurt. But when I get hurt and then I become angry about it, I made a choice. We can choose to react to our hurts with anger, or we can choose to overlook the incident. It's very important that we just... Be calm about it and say this is, that was not intended to hurt me. They're a Christian, they're good people. I know they would not intentionally hurt me. And so if you stop it right there, you've sidestepped bitterness. Anger is the result of a low boiling point. It doesn't take much to make you mad. This is dangerous and it is destructive when it doesn't take much to make us mad. Anger can quickly destroy what took years to build. One moment of anger in your home can destroy everything you've spent the last 20 years building. Building. We have to be careful. Becoming angry and verbalizing our anger can destroy more in a manner of a few minutes than we can spend the rest of our lives to rebuild or to make better. It takes 11 positive statements to take away one negative statement. 11 positive statements to take away one negative statement. Be careful before you make that negative statement because you're gonna have to work real hard to undo it. It's a lot easier to say to your wife, you sure look good today, rather than why are you wearing that dress? You didn't even say she didn't look good in it, but she thought it. Why did he say that? You gotta work 11 times real hard to get rid of that one statement. Amen. That sure is a pretty dress you have on today. Um, I can say something like, The lack of hair on your head makes your head look really shiny. Or I can say, you sure don't have much hair, brother. That's right. Some of you get the feeling of all of that. Amen. And you're probably pretty sensitive about that. Anger is controllable. That's important for us to know. Anger can and must be controlled. We control anger by our will and intellect. You are smarter than the hurt and the reaction to the hurt. Don't let yourself get out of control. By intellect, act, outsmart the anger. Think about it and outsmart the anger. By your will, choose not to get angry. Look at the positive side of things. Amen. Praise God. When the kid comes walking by, maybe the child, I shouldn't say kid. The child comes walking by and they they got a spot on their dress or their hair is a little dishuffled or whatever and you know they've been playing. Rather than criticizing the spot on the dress, or the shirt. Well, it looks like you had a good time playing today. There's power in positive words. There's hurt in negative words. So ask yourself the question, how angry am I going to get about this? Rage is uncontrollable anger, and it equals dangerous. So when we fly into a rage, we have become angry beyond control. Now the third thing that happens, we get hurt, we get angry, and then the third thing that happens is we build resentment. The prolonged effect of brooding over an offense is resentment. Resentment is often the after effects of anger. Once we are hurt and become angry, we must shift the blame for our actions. We gotta blame somebody else, why we got so mad, why we we feel so hurt. Therefore, we often become resentful about the hurts and the offenses, and then we mistreat the individual that hurt us or offended us. So I build up resentment, and I've got a... I, 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 I wish them ill will. I say, you're not gonna get by with this. I'm gonna make you pay. And I may make you pay until you pray. So that's very angry. That's a very angry statement to do that. Most of the time, ill will is not spoken but thought when we desire that something bad would happen to someone else because we have been hurt, we are full of resentment or even worse, no wonder that happened to them for what they did to me. They're paying the price now. That's very dangerous. Suggesting that someone, something happened to an individual you are angry with when you say, boy, that just, that happened to them because of what they did to me and that suggestion is full of resentment. And then the next thing we do is we brood over it. We let it stew, we put it on the stove and we cook it until the potatoes are mush The peas are mush, the green beans are mush, and we have let it stew, we have let it brood. You can tell the extent of an individual's hurt and bitterness by hearing them tell that story over and over. They go to great lengths to make sure you get the details of the offense reliving a bad experience is what resentment is. We're brooding over it. When someone can tell every detail about an offense that may have happened some time ago, they are brooding. they're just they're just stewing, it's on the fire and it's it's working and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and they're telling it with even greater emotion. This is very dangerous and cause, and can cause great amounts of stress and frustration. And then our emotion is involved in resentment. Crying and over excitement about the offense or the hurt is a sign of resentment. We must choose to get over our hurts and go on with living. It's very important. You cannot help the offense but you do have control over your reaction. If I was to ask today for you to raise your hand if you have ever been hurt, there would be hands go up all over this building today. Some of them you forgot about. Some of them don't matter. But there might be that one that now they really, really hurt me. I'm gonna talk about how to deal with that before I'm done tonight. And I'm gonna try to help you with this. So intellect and will is what is involved and what we've got to do. Again, the will and intellect are involved in resentment. You've got to decide to be resentful, just like they are in anger. We must outsmart the resentment and be an overcomer and not be one of the overcome. We have to be the overcomer. We choose not to be resentful about the hurt. And the way we do that is we forgive. And that is a common word among us. We forgive. We want to be forgiven. We must forgive and let it go. You must choose to not allow the offense to control you. You must control your actions. Decide not to be bothered by the offense. It has to be an act of your will. I'm going to make a decision and I'm not going to allow myself to become resentful. I'm not going to allow myself to become hurt. I'm not going to allow myself to become angry. And I'm not going to allow myself to become resentful. And at any point in this process, you can stop the vehicle from hitting the train track at any point that you are ready to not allow bitterness to get a hold of your heart. Then the final thing is the sickness of bitterness. Bitterness is an attitude, an attitude characterized by deep loathing and hatred, bad blood, or malice. So full-blown bitterness is an attitude of hatred, reliving a bad experience, malice, and so forth. Many ministers... And I realize I'm not not teaching to just ministers tonight, but I want to tell you this. Many ministers cause their churches to be bitter because of some bad experience that happened to them. Amen. Thank God you don't have that kind of a pastor. Amen. Amen. We must be very careful because bitterness is contagious and destructive. No person can be bitter and keep it to themselves. So when you get bitter about something that happens on your job or something that happens in the church or something that happens in your family, it is very, very contagious. And you will spread it just like you give somebody your cold. And it's not good. Bitterness is the absence of forgiveness. Bitterness involves your will also. You don't always ask to be hurt. But if you get angry about it, you decided to get angry. If you, de- if you decided to get resentful, that is a decision you made. If you become bitter, you have made a decision to become bitter and we have to be careful about that. You choose not to forgive the offense or the hurt. This is how we become bitter. When you choose not to forgive, you're making a way for bitterness. Even if an individual has not asked for your forgiveness, it is in your best interest to forgive. Amen. Say, but they never never repented or they never tried to make it right. Not your problem, folks. Your problem is not to become bitter and let it go. One man came to apologize to a pastor for leaving the church. When he met with the pastor, he asked to be forgiven for his actions. The pastor told the man that, well, I have forgiven you several years ago when the incident occurred. The pastor's statement confused the man. He said, but I didn't apologize. He said, I didn't forgive you for you. I forgave you for me. It was a selfish act on my part. I had to get it out of my system, out of my spirit. I had to let it go. Did you know one of the easiest places to get hurt is in the church? I hate to tell you that. But it's just like a a cold. People will catch your bad attitude. And they become infected and they gather, they have all the symptoms of what you have. See, it sort of sounds like Jesus to forgive before they ever ask. That is what Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? He would forgive before they ever ask or they ever admit it on their part. Bitter people are implacable. That simply means when you're dealing with a bitter person, It's hard to reason with them. Nothing you say can convince them to forgive. You cannot appease a bitter person. They are unreasonable. Their mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is made up. That's the way a lot of people reason with things. Anytime you hold someone hostage, you are a prisoner yourself. Many years ago, I was pastoring in Illinois and our local bank got held up. The end result, the police got there too fast and they now had a hostage situation. And the man was holding four of the tellers at gunpoint inside the bank. And uh, it was pretty bad. It was, uh, it was, it, everybody in town knew it. I mean, the neighbors were running next door and say, town and country bank is being held up and now there's a hostage situation. And so it was, it was bad to say the least. The phone was ringing and we need to pray. And, but there's something I discovered about the man that was holding those innocent people hostage. He was the biggest hostage in the room. He couldn't even go to the restroom. He couldn't go get a drink of water. He couldn't look at one of the hostages. Said, "You, hey, you hold my gun and hold these people hostage because I need a drink of water." So when you hold somebody hostage, when you're saying, "I won't forgive you because you have never asked me to," then. You are hostage yourself. And I'm gonna take a drink of water on that one. Praise God. Man, this bitterness feels better already. So symptoms of bitterness below are just a few of the things that you can tell quickly if there is bitterness involved. They're holding somebody hostage. They are insane. Their reasoning is not clear. It's not right. They are blind. All they can see is the offense that had happened. They're revengeful. They want revenge at any cost. It's like a cancer. The bitterness eats away at the person like a cancer. And then number five, sexual sins come into play when someone is bitter. Bitterness and fornication are placed in the same context of the scripture. Bitterness that is allowed to grow will lead to sexual sin on the part of the bitter person that was in my text tonight. Lest there be any fornicator. Irreverence is another symptom of bitterness. Bitter people do not respect the opinion of counsel or of their leaders. They are irreverent and will not listen. And then bitterness spreads and defiles. Bitterness does not abide alone. The father can eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. I believe that's a proverb. And so it is possible for a man to become bitter to the point that he contaminates his children and they won't even live for God because, well, if that man would do my father that way, just just forget it, get over it, let it go, don't hold it in your heart. Forgive and forget. So the cure for bitterness, how do we deal with it? If we find that we have adopted an attitude of bitterness over a situation and we are we are bitter, we're angry, we're we're having these symptoms that I mentioned and we've got to deal with it. So the cure for bitterness is if you find yourself having feelings of bitterness, this prescription to rid yourself of this, this destructive behavior, we find many people who are bitter over things that happened to them years ago, maybe even as a child following some guidelines that I'm going to give you tonight will enable you to set free, set yourself free from the deadly trap and avoid bitterness. And that's what this is about tonight, avoiding bitterness. So number one, if you have a situation in your life and you feel like that you have been wrong, List your faults. Write down what you did to cause this problem. Not what the other person did, but what you did. Take your paper and go to prayer and ask forgiveness. This will adjust. Your perspective doesn't change the person, it changes you. Prayer is for us, right? List the offenses, write them down, what was done against you. So first you list your faults, what you did to cause the problem. Then you go to prayer and you ask for forgiveness and then you come back and you write down what they did to you that was wrong, against you. Take the list of prayer again and forgive the offenses. This is an act of the will. This is, this is not really a spiritual thing. This is an act of your will to forgive them. I am going to forgive them. I'm going to adjust my attitude i'm going to act like it never ever happened and then ask the person to forgive you for holding a grudge or feelings of bitterness against them sometimes it's necessary to write a letter Sometimes you got to make a phone call. Sometimes you can't go to an individual and you want to make it right. So you've got to put the legs on dealing and avoiding with bitterness. Your hurts are to help you become a better person and your hurts, listen closely and you might want to grab your seat or grab the hand of the next person beside you and say, hold me back now. Your hurts are to help you be a better person and they are from God. And you will be a better person because of your hurts. Man is will, intellect, and emotion. Man has a will and is able to think for himself and he has emotions. We must keep these in the right position. When we become unbalanced, we will have tremendous problems. One of the most irritating things is to drive a vehicle with the front end out of balance. You shake, shimmy, and roll. Rock, shake, shimmy, roll. Do y'all use that kind of language in North Dakota? You shimmy, 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 shimmy. And I was not talking in tongues right there. So it shimmies, it shakes. It has undefined movement. That's what happens to us if you let your emotions do the driving. If if you do what is right, your emotions will come around. You cannot and will not live for God being driven by your emotions. Your emotions are up one day down the next, feel good today, don't feel good tomorrow, I feel like living for God today, I don't don't know if I even wanna get out of the bed tomorrow. So you can't go by your emotions. You've got to go by what you know is right. Amen, praise God. So here are some things to remember. Keep short accounts. Some things are better off forgotten. Above all else, I must be saved. And everybody will get their chance to be bitter. Everybody. It's so dangerous whenever we allow ourselves to become bitter. Things come your way to make you better and not bitter. Praise God. Now tonight, this is the kind of lesson that you have to take home with you and you have to sincerely pray about. Do I have something in my life that is making me bitter towards someone. Maybe someone has already passed away and you feel bitter feelings towards them for something they did. And you can write a letter to a dead person, did you know that? Just write it just like they were gonna read it and ask them to forgive you and you know they're dead and gone, you understand that you're not writing the letter for them. You are writing the letter for you. I have received letters. The Lord gave me this Bible lesson over 20 years ago and I pastored four churches in my ministry. I'm pastoring the fourth right now. And I have had people write me letters because of this lesson. I've had people I pastor write letters to previous pastors because of this lesson. Because if you choose not to resolve it, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for immorality. Because if you can justify the bitterness, you can also justify immorality in your life. So it's important to take heed to the Bible lesson tonight. Every night will not be this. It will not be under your toenails like tonight was but I feel like this is the place to start this. And it may be a previous pastor. It may be someone that's no longer in this church. It may be someone that done you wrong and you know it was wrong and they may not ever know it was wrong. But that is not the problem. The problem is I have to be right. I can't be right doing wrong. So for me, for my children, and I know what I'm talking about tonight, you can destroy your children. Now, thank God all of my kids are involved in ministry. And they are, I've got six grandkids that are all in the church and all have the Holy Ghost. And uh, I've got one on the way that is a miracle child, that they said that she would never be able to have any children, but he will be born on May the 30th is the date they're saying. So God can do anything. And I would hate to allow a hurt feeling to rob me of what God has for me in his will. Praise God. Thank you for your attention. It's been my pleasure to be here tonight, and I can't wait till tomorrow night. You're a wonderful group of people. You look so apostolic. Amen. Are you apostolic people? Does that mean you baptize in Jesus' name? You mean I'm in the right place? Would you happen to believe in one God? Do you believe you must have the Holy Ghost evident by speaking in other tongues? Well, praise God. I believe it too.
1: Amen. I believe that. I believe what he taught tonight. And uh, you're not exempt from being hurt. You're not exempt from the, the temptation to be bitter. None of us are. And uh, I really believe this, that the one statement here, he said, your hurts are to help you be a better person. And they are from God. And it's not God trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. And we read of, of stories in scripture, like we read the story of Joseph, right? And what the enemy meant for evil yes. and what Joseph had to go through. There was a purpose in it. And so in every trial of life and any time you get that feeling and you, and you start to feel that uh, you, you're hurt and you're, you're feeling resentment and anger, just remember that it's, it's a situation that God has allowed in your life to help you, to help you. And uh, I believe that and, and uh, it's really the mercies of God. And uh, thank you, Brother, Brother Fogarty for this message tonight. Let's, let's receive it, let's take it home. And uh, let's, you know, let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Let's, each and, I think each of us can go home and, and we should pray a prayer. God, if, there, if there's something that I, and, and you know, a lot of times we know if there's something, if you're edgy with somebody, um, if you had a situation, and if it, you don't feel like it's totally resolved, just take it to God in prayer. Amen. God is so good. Thank you for coming here, for being in church tonight. Please, if at all possible, uh, make it a priority to be here Thursday and Friday night. I, I just believe that I believe in good apostolic Bible teaching. Okay, we get excited about preaching. We get evangelists come through and, and we're all on our chairs shouting. Like, there's a time for that. I believe in that. Okay, we have other conferences and other times for that. But this week, we're going to have some good Bible teaching. And this is just as important as those evangelistic services, those services that, are, that we shout and run the aisles. So let's be here uh, this week. Let's got, let God speak to us. Let's have a good week in Jesus' name. Thank you.